morning, everyone. Well, happy New Year. Um, I, I always feel like such a nerd when I say that. It's true. It is New Year. I always, every year I think of this. My old, um, when I was studying accounting in college, my professor used to put a, um, like a far sign on the cover of every test. And one of them was, accountants celebrate fiscal New Year. And I was like, that's hilarious. <laughs> This is Church New Year, so today we begin anew, um, and I really wrestled today with what to preach about, but today I want to talk to you about a new beginning, and we're going to dive in today, and I want to do something we don't normally do. Today I'm going to talk to you on a, in a broader sense about what's going to happen this coming year with our readings, um, but I do want to start as we begin today. Every one of us needs times in our life where we can just hit the pause button, we can step back, and we can say, where am I at in life? Where do I want to go? And I always think that the beginning of a new liturgical year is a calling from God to us to say, you can be made new. You can begin again. You are not a prisoner to your old life and to your old habits. One of my favorite verses in the New Testament is 2 Corinthians 5.17. It's a great verse. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All right, hear that again. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, I'd encourage you today on the Lord's Day, this week as we enter into the new year, spend some time in prayer with that. Right? And just say to the Lord, Jesus, I know that you can make me new. And all of those kind of things I've given myself to, the the sins of my life, the bad habits, the lies of this world that I have so listened to, Lord. Jesus, I know that you can make me a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I love that. J.R.R. Tolkien has a great analogy for scripture, J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh, and what he says is he talks about how sometimes when we read scripture, imagine if you and I went to Scotland. I've never been there. We should, we have, we're building up our travel log of places to go. But if we went to Scotland, and apparently in Scotland there are all these ancient towers. And he said the way that most modern scholars, and sometimes I think us just Sunday to Sunday, what happens is when we read the scripture, it's like looking at one of those towers in Scotland. But instead of looking at the tower, we take a single stone out. And we really put that one stone under the microscope. And we say, oh, it's, it's made up of it's igneous rock. And it's, it comes from this part of the country. And, you know, it's developed in this part of, you know, the Earth's history. And I don't know much about geology. Can you tell? Like, <laughs> it's a rock. It's hard. <laughs> looks hard, I don't know, whatever. 
But what Tolkien says is that sometimes what we need to do is we need to step back and to see the tower. And we need to see it in its complete form, in its wholeness, and as it stands in itself. And that's what I want to do with you today. Today with the new year, we begin a new gospel. And so all of last year, we were reading dominantly from the gospel of Matthew. This year, starting today, we will dominantly for the next year be reading from the gospel of Mark. And what I want to do this morning is before we go in and we take those different stones out of the tower and we look at all the different pieces in the Sunday Gospels we'll receive from St. Mark, I want to step back and just look at the tower itself. And I just want to pick out a couple of key things. So one time in seminary, I was, uh, I don't know what, how far along, but pretty far along, we had in our mailroom, we had one of those giant, just um, all those mailboxes, you know, that are like cubby holes, small cubby holes, and they didn't have locks on them. And one day I was in there, and I was getting my mail, and I got the mail from the wrong box, and I didn't realize it. And so I pulled it out, and I opened, and I saw, the first thing I saw was our grades were there. So I pulled out the grades, and it was Brady Wagner's. And I was like, well, I've already opened it. Might as well, how's Brady doing? <laughs> he doesn't talk much in class, how's he doing? <laughs> so I opened up his report card and he walked in right then. I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> and to this day, that comes up about once a week in the Companions. Like, you know, you, you know people who love you, they never forget your sins, it's, it's awesome. So Father Brady brings that up all the time. By the way, if you're curious, he had straight A's, of course. But anyway, today, when we look at Mark's gospel, when we read the New Testament, brothers and sisters, you are reading someone else's mail. When you read the New Testament, you are reading someone else's mail. Imagine if you got a letter. Imagine if I opened that report card up for Father Brady Right? And there is a note from one of the professors. What we have to do when we read the New Testament is we have to understand who it's written to and why. The New Testament is not like the manual for your car. That's not what it is. Every single part of the New Testament is a letter. And so what I want to talk about is what was Mark's letter? Why was he writing? Who was St. Mark? And what is he going to say to us? Why does the church give him to us this year? So Mark, on our cross, Jesus, right? If you've never noticed this, I've preached about this before, but Jesus is enthroned on the cross. And I love our crucifix of Lords. Our church is meant to teach us about the Christian mystery. When you walk into the church that's supposed to say to you that I am walking into the mystery of Jesus Christ. And I live inside of that mystery. Part of that mystery is that Jesus' throne is the four Gospels. He's enthroned on the four Gospels. And on our cross, the four symbols of the four Gospels are at the four corners of the cross. 
Mark's symbol is the lion. So if you're really hip and cool, or those of you who aren't, if you want to be, there's a coffee shop on 17th in York, I think it is, called St. Mark's. It's owned by a Byzantine Christian. And there's, there's an old bar right next to it owned by the same guy called the Thin Man. We used to go there in seminary. But St. Mark's, you'll walk there, and there's lions right outside the coffee shop for St. Mark. Mark has lions, and all four of these symbols really tell us something about the Gospels. And Jesus is enthroned on the four Gospels. Mark's symbol is a lion because he is writing, and here's what I want to get to today. You are opening someone else's mail. The person's mail you're opening is the church in Rome. And not the church in Rome at any time, but the church in Rome in the mid-60s. First century, not 1960s. That would be a radically different letter. (laughs) But the first century in the 60s, that's who Mark is writing to. In the first century, in the 60s, in 64 AD, the emperor Nero, who almost certainly was completely psychotic, Nero set the city of Rome on fire. It is the most famous fire in all of history. It destroyed much of Rome. And the famous image, I think it's from Tacitus, is that Nero was just crazy and he played the fiddle while Rome burned. So Rome's burning that he started that fire. And right after that happens, Nero needs a scapegoat. And he chose us. He chose us as the scapegoats. And so the the first massive persecution of Catholicism, the first, certainly not the last, there will still be more, the first one, the first biggest persecution started in the year 64 A.D., under the Emperor Nero, and Peter and Paul are both martyred in that persecution. Mark was Peter's disciple. And here's what happened, and this is why this is so important, brothers and sisters. When we read the scriptures, it's not just this abstract scientific manual. The Gospels are testimonies, and they're written to concrete communities into concrete people. And the Gospel of Mark is written to a church that is suffering. In Mark's time, the symbol of Mark is the lion. In Mark's time, Christians are being eaten by lions in the Colosseum. Gladiator is not just a movie, right? The Colosseum's real. Our forefathers in faith were martyred by lions in the Colosseum. And Mark is writing to that community. And that's why his symbol is the lion. Today, right, don't you feel that way? A lot of us today, we feel like we're in a persecuted time. And I think that's true. I also think we're kind of soft. Not just because I'm putting on weight as a middle-aged priest. But we're kind of soft, right? And it is hard right now. But not like the persecution under Nero. So what Mark is going to say to us, and I want you to watch for this this coming year. 
I don't know where every one of you in this church is at in your faith. If you're new in your faith, Mark's gospel was really not written for you. If you're new in your faith, you should really hone in on the gospel of Matthew and hear the good news that you are loved and that the Son of God came to redeem you. That's in Mark's gospel too. But the focus in Mark's gospel is once you know that, and I think so many of you here at Lord's, you've heard that so many times. You know the love of God in your life. You know the good news that Jesus Christ has redeemed the world. Mark's message is, Jesus says to us, come and suffer with me. Come and suffer with me. If Mark had a theme verse, there's a, there's a bunch we could choose from. But Peter was Mark's mentor, right? Mark studied under St. Peter. And so St. Peter, at the end of his life, uh, at the, in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4, he says this. He says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal which comes upon you to prove you. Don't be surprised at persecution. Don't be surprised. If you are a Christian, we understand that Jesus' terrible, horrific death on the cross was no accident. It was the very providence and the very plan of God. And our suffering, we should not be surprised. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal which comes upon you to prove you, as though something strange were happening to you. Now, you know that I'm bad at this. I am preaching to myself today. As I always say, when I stub my toe, I am like, why God? I am your priest. Don't you love me? We all do that. But let me finish St. Peter here. He says, rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings, so that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Hear that again. Rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. A short way to say this, if you want to reign with Christ, and Mark's gospel is going to say this to us at different times. It's going to say if you're a Christian, God is going to call you to reign with Christ in God's new creation. Right? We don't just go to heaven and, you know, hang out and eat gelato. In heaven, you and I will reign with Christ. That is all over the New Testament. But if you would reign with him, you must also suffer with him. We are not Christians who believe in a health and wealth gospel. The sign of God's love for us is not an easy life. As Christians, we are called to conform our thinking to the cross. And the more that we follow Christ, the more you and I are drawn into the mystery of the love of the crucified Savior. 
If we would reign with him, we must also suffer with him. So what's going to happen this year? Brothers and sisters, this is that first point I just want to make, is that Mark wants to call you out of the shallow waters of Christian faith. He wants to call you to deeper waters. The church right now, and in all times... We are in desperate need, not just of any Christian. We are in desperate need of Christians who know the depths and the wisdom of Christ. And if you think you can get there without suffering, you have misunderstood what Christianity is. It is only through the cross that you and I become who we are called to be. That's at the heart of Mark's gospel. Two more themes. Mark's going to call us to discipleship, and we'll see this as we go through the year. But one of the biggest things is that the first, Mark's centerpiece of his gospel is chapter 8. There's 16 chapters. Eight's right in the middle. In chapter 8, Peter makes his confession of faith. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But here's what's happening all up to that point. A major theme in Mark's gospel is that the closest followers of Jesus are deaf and blind. Right, again, hang with me. We're looking at that tower, right? The overall structure of this gospel. The first half of Mark's gospel is all about how you and I don't get it. We still don't get it. I know in my own life, I still don't get it. And if we approach the gospels without a humility without sitting and listening to Jesus and say, Lord, open up my eyes and ears that I can listen and see. Not that I would come thinking I know everything already. Jesus, help me to listen and to be open to you. The first half, the apostles are blind and deaf, and Jesus says it over and over and over again. The second half, and this is what I want to leave you with today, ties to this theme of suffering. The ultimate thing that will only open our eyes, the only thing that opens the apostles' eyes, is the crucifixion. It is the crucifixion. And so as the apostles walked to Jerusalem... They're they're learning who Jesus is, but they don't get it. They're still blind. And it's only when Jesus dies on the cross, the Roman centurion will confess him as the Son of God. And the apostles will finally come to understand who he is. And here's what I want to just hit you with this morning. I don't care how many books you've read. I don't care how long you have been a Catholic. Every one of us needs God to strip our hardness of heart away so that we can truly understand. And the only way that really happens is when you and I enter into the mystery of the crucifixion. We have to do that over and over again. This year and today, when you go home, this week, go read the Gospel of Mark. 16 chapters, if you just read it straight and not prayerfully, I bet you it'll take you less than 15 minutes. 
Less than 15 minutes. If you read it prayerfully, it of course will take you longer. But go read the Gospel of Mark and make a decision today. Make a decision today that you will no longer live your Christian faith as a way to avoid suffering. Make a decision that you will no longer live your Christian faith on the shallow waters where God's only role is to make you feel good. Make a decision today when you go home to go deeper. To say, Jesus, the cross of Mount Calvary is not an accident. It is not a mistake. It is not something that happened in the past so that I don't have to suffer. But Lord, I am supposed to be drawn into the mystery of love where you gave your life. Lord Jesus, give us a new start today, this year. Lord, may we be, may I be a new creation. Lord, may my selfishness and my sinfulness be left behind. May I be made new in you. May I grow in maturity and holiness and wisdom. Jesus, may I be conformed to your cross.